Many companies are discovering that their app usage is growing like weeds as business leaders ignore IT recommendations or look to download quick and easy point solutions. Can artificial intelligence be the key for managing this software sprawl? We're going to talk about this issue next up on Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on the show today is Prasad Ramakrishnan. He is the CIO of Freshworks. Welcome to the show, Prasad. Hi, Keith. Uh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good, you good. How did I do on the pronunciation of your name, on the last name? Did I did I get it right or did I just butcher it? Oh, you got it? it almost right. Almost. Ramakrishnan. Ramakrishnan. I know it's got a few syllables in it, so okay. it's always right. <laughs> Sometimes but you I- got it almost I'm sure you're used to that, though, with, with people yeah. um, pronouncing your name. All right. So uh, Freshworks recently published a report called the State of Workplace Technology uh, that discovered a lot of interesting attitudes about software being installed at companies, um, as well as their uh, hopes for generative AI. For example, the report noted a 71% increase in the number of software apps at companies in recent years. So, at, you know, framing this, how bad has software sprawl become at companies and why has it gotten this bad? I, I love the term you're using, um, uh, Keith. Software sprawl is, is so real today. Yeah. Right? Think about it. Um, it's become so easy to buy software now, right? Because if the, the, there used to be a time when uh, IT departments used to sit in an ivory tower and uh, you would need to go, go to the IT department and say, hey, I would love to buy this piece of software. And then it, it goes through an extremely lengthy process and then uh, IT departments would buy the software. But if you look at it today, there is absolutely no friction as it relates to how you um, how you buy software, right? Um, and I use the term credit cards have become the bane of IT existence, right? Where um, if, if you need a piece of software, if anybody needs a piece of software, yeah. all you need to do is go, go to the website. Uh, most people don't even read the terms and conditions. They just click through that, um, swipe their credit card and uh, voila, we have one more uh, one more piece of software, right? So it, it is a real problem um, in the industry today, right? Where you have way too many um, pieces of software uh, that's there in any enterprise, right? And the, the way I look at it, right? It's, it's always within every company, um, it's always a balance between autonomy and alignment, right? From, a, from an IT perspective, you, you, we want to make sure that we have what we call as a sanctioned applications, yep. which, are, which, are, which are centrally procured, centrally managed, you have all the bells and whistles in terms of the security posture being evaluated. Does this integrate with everything else? Versus you, you, you then have this this notion of shadow IT, where there are there are uh, uh, there are users on the business side who uh, uh, who feel empowered to go and buy the software that they need. Right? Yeah. So uh, from 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 IT's vantage point, one of one of the things is to make sure that we are not there as uh, an obstruction. We shouldn't be seen as an obstructionist in terms of. If somebody needs a piece of software, like if you need a, a, a nice microphone for 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 the podcast you're doing, Keith, right? Right. You need to be able to buy. It, yeah. Right. So we don't want to be there in the way and uh, and and kind of uh, put too much of governance into that. So give a little bit of um, um, uh, leeway to the users to do what they need, with some checks and balances to make sure that um, uh, that, that that you you do do you do not do anything to jeopardize your data or your customers' data right. or your 
flight data. Is this is this indicative of the push and pull between an IT department and uh, business leaders, where you know business leaders feel like they they can con- they should be able to control the types of apps that that are being installed, or um, you know, or does do you have strong IT that that really enforces these security and integration issues? It seems like those are the two big ones, right? You want to make sure that the app is secure, but also that it doesn't screw up your other apps. Totally. So I think it is it is it is actually a nice push and pull between the IT and the business units, right? So the the the, the one philosophy which I think will 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 actually bring um, a little bit of more sanity into that this type of picture is what I call uh, uh, the the alignment with uh, the the no surprise alignment between the business and IT. Mm-hmm. IT should never be uh, surprised uh, with the need that is coming from the business. It's not like IT and business are operating in two different uh, uh, realms, right? If you take some of the, the latest movies that are coming about, they, they talk about the various, uh, you, you live in this realm and that realm. IT and business are actually one and the same, right? IT needs to know enough about the business and the business needs to realize that IT is there to support, technology is there to enable the business, right? So as long as we we, we get that no surprise realm going, right, where both both the business and IT know what, what, what needs to be done. You're going to avoid these kind of uh, proliferation of tools, right? Yeah. Um, and, and in many companies, it's, it's a journey, right? Because uh, we, are, we are coming from a mode where IT was seen more as a technology leader. But in reality, IT is now a business leader. You need to understand how sales happens, how marketing happens, how, how finance or close happens, right? Or how procurement process happens so that you now um, are providing them the tools to make that particular department more effective in the way they they, they serve the, the the end customers, right? So the, the happy push pull. I like the way yeah. you said that, the push pull. You you need to have that healthy push pull where the business is pushing the need. You're saying, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this, and IT partners with them in the no surprise mode to make sure that we are we are, we are coming up with the with the appropriate tech stack. All right, I want I want to I'm going to probably jump around on this because there were there's a, a bunch of other things that from the report that I found interesting, um, and we're going to get back to the idea of of this this dynamic between IT and the business. Um, but there was another statistic from the report that really jumped out at me. It was 44 percent of those surveyed said their technology stack is packed with unnecessary features. 42 um, percent even said they didn't know how the software got there in the first place. So why do software companies? And I, and I and I don't know if you know this, but why do they put? Why do they end up putting so much stuff in their stuff? Or this is probably the best way to say it. Like, why do they feel like they they have to have eight billion features in a, in a software app when maybe you know users only need four or five of that those things? Yeah. See, so I think the, I'm going to borrow one of the statements or one of the phrases you said. You said software sprawl. Yeah. I think here you have um, so much stuff in their stuff. Features. Yeah. Yes, feature sprawl. Feature right? feature sprawl, like, right? Right. That's another. Yeah, that that's great. Yeah, and it's become a, it's become an epidemic, and I'll tell you why. Right? If it, let let's look at how software purchase happens in most companies. In many in, in many cases, people issue an RFP, right? Where well, in the RFP, most people have a an established template that they start with and say, "Hey, I'm going to issue this RFP to to all the possible vendors out there." Right. Now, the vendor who sees the RFP wants to make sure that they're checking off all the boxes in the RFP. Right now, uh, and, and th- that's one of the reasons why you end up having a proliferation of features that really may not be required. The problem is the person issuing the RFP is is almost a, a, a solution looking for a problem. They're basically feeding into 
uh, they're, they're almost feeding into the vendor's uh, uh, lap here in terms of saying, um, I'm, 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 I'm babysitting and providing you all the things that you need to go and check off, right? Because what ends up happening is all these, all these RFP templates are actually uh, through, through the work that uh, multiple companies have done and through the analysts, people have started now coming up with this laundry list of uh, or, or kind of kind of the templates of all of these RFPs, yeah. right? which is what leads to uh, kind of a chicken and egg problem here, right? So on one side, you have vendors working with the analysts to come up with the list of features, which then feeds back into the customers to now use the same template to then issue the RFP so that now the vendors are going and checking off. Do you Rather than looking at it that way. Yeah, right, do you, do you, you uh, I'm sorry, do right. you find, do you find this is a, a symptom of, um, well, not a symptom, but this is, this is more related to larger companies that do this, or is it smaller companies that are trying to get, uh, businesses through business through these RFPs that they would look at all of these feature checkboxes and go, Oh, we'll win the deal if we can get feature A, B, and C into our software. Um, or is it, is it, is it more of a feature creep type thing with, with larger, bigger platforms? So I would say that is that is actually also a happy middle. This is more for the the doesn't apply as much to the extremely small companies, but okay. to the to, to the middle of the road and the uh, and and the larger companies. Yeah, that's where they they have the so-called software governance process and software selection process. There is a there is a purchasing team that gets involved um, the, right where from a procurement. So they may have a uh, a strategic sourcing team to help with the procurement process, and um, so that th that's where you get the um, on, on one side, procurement team gets gets involved, saying, "Hey, I'll go out to the industry and then bring all the possible vendors who can, who can possibly serve uh, the, this, this this RFP." And on the business side, you have people then coming and asking for for free features. I, I think the, the the magical solution here, uh, Keith, is to is to look at it uh, in, in one simple phrase, right? Don't be a solution looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. The minute you start gravitating towards the solution and saying okay i actually have a problem right think about uh, like in the early uh, 2000s when apple came up with, with with an iphone right apple is seen as a category creator right where nobody came and said i want uh, i want all my uh, 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 mp3 files on a mobile phone right or, or, or on a small device they didn't come and say i want a camera on on this all these were individual applications that that already existed right? yeah you used to have a little camera you would buy a Kodak or a Konica and whatever, and have a nice camera. You would have a separate um, uh, Walkman for, for for all of your uh, music, uh, right? And uh, you would have a separate brick phone in those days. I don't know whether you remember. But then all the... So Apple created a category where they said, you know what, I can bring all of these things together. That is innovation in the in the, in the other end of the game, right? right where right. you actually are creating a category to solve uh, a need. And now then there has been tremendous innovation that's happened when in, 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 the, in the iPhone and in the phone space, smartphone space, and now we have started making that be uh, a part of our non normal day-to-day -day life. But take the business software. If you start saying this, this is the magical solution that is going to solve my problem without really having a good understanding of what problem you are internally trying to solve, you'll fall into this trap of features problem, right? Because you'll end up choosing your tool thinking that that tool is going to magically solve your problem when you should be approaching it as what is the real problem I'm trying to solve? What uh, What is the business process that I want to emulate here? And then looking at what available tools are there and what features those tools are, are providing to solve my problem. How, how right? can companies uh, do that? How can companies do that without necessarily getting an RFP involved? 
are there other ways to 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 find these solutions then the- yeah, yeah no do not i'm not saying the rfp process is a bad process okay you do need to issue an rfp yeah but i'm saying rather than feeding off the rfp where you have a laundry list of features that you think you need start with start with the problem really need yeah, yeah. so instead yeah. of working backwards work forward where you start with you as the as the as the constituent having a problem that you're trying to solve and the tools is a means to an end rather than the tool becoming your your project the tool is just a means to uh, uh, enabling a business process. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump back again to a, a, another topic. Um, one of the ways that IT groups can start getting a sense of of reducing the software sprawl at their company is through a tech review. Can you discuss, talk about the tech review process and how you've done them in the past and what works and what doesn't? Because I feel like a lot of companies probably haven't done a tech review in a while, or if they have, maybe they're not getting the 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 enough information out of these yeah see i think uh, um if you look at the way you need to look at your tech stack see at the end of the day it is there to provide the technology stack to enable the business right um and i, I call it tech review and we've used different terms we call app rationalization technology review uh, uh, uh tools consolidation review it's an art and a science if you really look at it right see at the end of the day one is I would call do a discovery of what you have within the enterprise. And there are different ways you can do that. You can go into your, your purchasing system to go look at all the software that has been purchased. There are, there are tools that, um, um, that, that go into your uh, uh, network to find out what are all the tools that users are accessing. Yeah. And there are tools that IT has purchased and sanctioned, right? So one is building up the, the complete inventory of all the tools that are there, right? Then you go through a, a, a rigorous exercise to make sure do I have duplicate tools, right? Where you start categorizing each tool in terms of, hey, what have I bought? How many licenses have I bought? How many licenses have I used? How much am I paying for all of this? And then start putting putting some tags saying, okay, this is actually a, a, a calendaring application. This is actually a video conferencing application. This is actually an application that enables me to schedule um, something with the third party, right? So start, calendar, start catalog, cataloging and tagging each of these applications. And then do a, a, a brutal, uh, uh, what do you call, brutal prioritization across all of these to say, do I have five tools that do calendaring? Do I have three tools that are doing yeah. um, uh, discover, software discovery, right? And then make this part of your muscle memory. Do this where you go through the list, consolidate and identify the ones which are going to be retired, um, retire them, and then rinse and repeat again. How, how, often, repeat how again. often should a, a company do a tech review? Like you wouldn't do this every month, would you? You don't do it every month, but I think the the the, the best way to do it is to have a, a cadence of doing it at least once a quarter. Once right? a quarter, okay. Of, I was going to say once right? a year. Well, my guess was going to be once a year, but once a quarter. You no, know, once a year, you you definitely want to do it at least once a year, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you your budgets get adjusted every um, every year. But here um, at, at Freshworks, what we do is um, we we look at it once every quarter, where where, where I have my team come back to me and say. Hey, here is all the things that we knew about last time. Here are the three, four tools that have now uh, come into the enterprise through through other uh, uh, projects, uh, through other project initiatives. Right. And then we, we look at saying, hey, yeah, we bought this, but why did we not retire this application? And one of the standing uh, uh, things which I give my team here is, if there's a new tool coming in, what are the two tools that I'm going to retire? Right. 
So, and uh, th this is something where it takes a little bit of time for it to become part of the muscle memory, right? So over the last three, four years, we have started doing it where every new tool that comes in, um, you uh, you have to retire at least one or two tools. You know what that sounds like? Yeah, uh, I, what, you know what that sounds like is with my kids, when they whenever they want new clothes, I, I tell them that you can buy two new shirts, but you have to retire four shirts. You have to donate four of your old ones. Exactly. So Very it's the same concept. To at home. Exactly. And that, that's, a, that's a great analogy here, right? And remember, it's not going to be, IT is not going to be popular doing this, right? Think about it. Uh, Keith, if, if you like the microphone that you're using here for the podcast, right? Yeah. And I can say, uh, you cannot have that, Keith, because that is non-standard and uh, we have a different, uh, we have the microphone that's there in your laptop, which should, should be able to do your job. You're not going to like it. Yeah, that, right? that so, leads me into my next question of, 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 you know, a lot of this can become tricky and, and problematic, especially if you've got end users and business unit managers that are pushing back on this. Um, I think I think we've had some some cases here where uh, IT or some other departments told us that we wanted they wanted us to use this particular storage service and we were using a different one and we were really happy with it. And there was this, you know, push and pull back and forth. Um how how do you do this so that IT doesn't become the villain in the piece, uh, and and how do you do this in a responsible way so that you can you know respect each other? Well, yeah. See, I think one of the roles, if you look at uh, that's emerging and which is which we have, we have at Freshworks and in, in all the uh, couple of jobs that I've been in before I came to Freshworks, is this role of what I call the IT product manager. Okay. Right? Think about it. Product managers. Um, are typically there in, in product organizations. Their role is to now work with the industry and work with the market to find out what do I need to put in my product in terms of features so that now I can make a good product out of what, I, um, um, what I'm building and then find a market for that, right? So product managers are out there scoping and finding out what, what the real need is from a product that you're building. The IT product manager is something very similar. So I have an IT product manager who's aligned to my finance team an IT product manager with my sales team, with my marketing team, with my customer support team, right? Um, with my HR team, right? They actually are more, uh, uh, visualize them as more the, the, the business process person sitting within IT who's actually now embedded within the business, right? So what, what that does for me is the IT product manager knows exactly how finance does, it, uh, does its job, how they go about doing their month-end close, how they do the AP transactions, how they do the AR transactions. And now they actually work, collaborate with, with our controllers organization to say, hey, you're, you're actually working on this. Let me take a look at how you're doing the invoice scanning. Yeah. That results in, in a project which will say, hey, oh, you're actually spending a lot of time here. Let's collaborate and come up with a way by which we can come up with a scanning application, for example. right? Or they work with the sales team to say, oh, okay, you actually are working with five different panes of glass. That's very inefficient from a sales perspective. So the IT product manager is actually looking at it as somebody sitting in IT, who's got complete knowledge of the business process on the on, on the business side. Because remember, IT is not an IT leader or the, the people within IT are not technology experts. They are more business experts nowadays. Right, right. And, and we've heard, you know, this is not anything that's that's earth shattering or new. We've been talking about this um, at Computer World and some other uh, sites for a long time about aligning, you know, that's, that's part of the alignment between IT and, and the business. But it, it feels that it would be really difficult to try to find subject matter experts in other, in your IT group to then 
you're telling your IT guy who's, who's who spent their whole life, you know, working in technology and either networking or programming or coding or whatever, and then you're telling them, well, now you got to learn about all this accounting software, or you, you you're now in charge of of the sales staff, and you got to learn about all these sales things. Is it is it hard to do to to create these IT product managers? It it is it is, and it is a commitment that that uh, you need to make as an organization. And see, one one of the techniques that we use here is what we call cross pollination. Mm-hmm. We actually have people from the business and from our product organization moving into IT, right? And, and working within my organization, people from within my team actually go and working on the business uh, teams and actually going and working on the product teams. So we do product uh, kind of cross pollination of people from the business to IT and IT to the business. So which which enables a good job rotation because you think 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 about it from an from an employee's perspective, they want to learn stuff, they want to make a difference in the in the, in the workplace that they're working in, right? And if we provide them the job rotation um, uh, opportunity where they're able to work in finance for some time and then work within IT, in fact, my IT product managers they don't sit within IT, they right. actually sit in uh, they'll attend the HR staff meeting, they'll attend the uh, the, the 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 controller staff meeting. They actually are almost sitting alongside the the, the users. There. Yeah. And we do cross pollination. We say, hey, if you're in finance and you want to be in, um, um, as a, do a short stint in IT, come out IT, right? Where you do not need to know every, all the bells and whistles of how single sign-on works and all that. But you are a business leader who understands the business process. Right. Let's cross pollinate. So we, we 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 and this is something where. It has to come culturally within the company. The company needs to be, be able to support that, right? Where you you enable the free movement of people from from one organization to the other. Is is it hard to to start setting this up, or is this something that can be done if if a company doesn't have these types of of people? It is actually not very difficult. Okay, uh, think about it, right? In thanks to the world of SaaS, where the the business process is already codified within a SaaS application, right? It's already codified. Right, where the business user is already working with a piece of SaaS software, and what IT is doing is turning the knobs and turning on the features and enabling the integration between the uh, between the various SaaS applications and turning on the workflow within those applications. So it is almost the when when IT is configuring things, they are actually operating like a business person, and the business person when they are working on the tool, they are almost doing something similar to what 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 IT would think about. Except that they're not going into the admin mode to go and uh, go and tune the knobs, right? So once you get them to say, "Hey, you can actually play a role sitting within IT, turning the knob," the light bulb goes goes off on that on that side. And as long as the organization creates a, a no risk paradigm for them, where they say we we encourage job rotation and we encourage people to get out of their comfort zone and be vulnerable, okay, and allow them to thrive in the new in the in the in the, in the new role that they're in. You have created an environment where IT and business, the, the interlock between both of them uh, um, is that much deeper. Okay. Um, I, and I'm going to jump around again. I'm sorry about this, but there's another stat from the report that I wanted to ask you about. And um, it's basically said that people are fearful of criticizing a software decision or a deployment. 73%, for example, are hesitant to voice feedback for fear of losing their job or being seen as incompetent. So how can IT work better with users and business leaders to allow them to speak up if the software that they've either installed themselves or software that was told to to be installed, you know, if it just stinks, like, you know, how, how do you get them to speak up more without without any kind of fear of reprisal? Oh my like God. I'll, I'll come out right out and say it. I don't like Microsoft Teams, for example, but, <laughs> but, but we're being, you know, we're being forced to use it sometimes here. 
Yeah. Hey, Keith, you've been in the industry long enough, right? Have you ever heard of any CIO saying that they had a failed Tivoli implementation? I'm you, sorry, say that, no, say that again. Have I ever, Have heard, you of- ever heard, of, uh, heard of a CIO saying that they had a failed IBM Tivoli uh, oh, right, 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 right. Nobody ever got fired for, for picking IBM, right? That was the old, the right. old joke. So, yeah, so that that used to be an inside joke in IT for uh, for, 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 for many years. Yeah. Right? See, I think, see, I think the, 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 the problem you're talking about in terms of um, a fear of criticizing software decisions, right, is, is, is there in the industry, right? Um, and so a few things we can do to avoid this, right? IT needs to be seen as a trusted advisor to the business, right? Where uh, if, if you make it where um, if the business is criticizing something and th- th- if, if you make it where you make it a hostile environment where they feel like they're going to be uh, they're going to be criticized for, for for criticizing, then you've you've created a hostile environment, right? Mm-hmm. So a few techniques here. One is have a formal voice of the customer program, right? This is going to make sure that um, you on a very frequent basis have the IT product managers run uh, uh, QBRs with the with the business stakeholders in terms of saying, hey, here's what we have done for you lately. What is it that has worked and what is it that has not worked? And be ha- have an open adult conversation about it. You're going to have emotions in when, when, whenever you bring a bunch of people together. You are definitely going to have emotions and opinions come into the picture. But then if you can weed out the, the noise and then look at what the objective feedback that you're getting, then you can start making a change. So the voice of the customer through QBRs is uh, uh, is one way, right? Uh, and and you need to acknowledge that sometimes the feedback will not be positive, right? And in 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 some respects, this is where when IT is actually embedded within the business, you should you should not be surprised that the user is having a problem, right? Yeah. If, you, if it's in a mode where you have to wait for formal feedback from the users to know that there is a problem, you've already lost the battle. It should actually be you already being embedded in the business, knowing what your software adoption is. Okay. So don't just deploy a project and say, I'm done with the project. You don't never want to be a operation successful and the patient is dead, right? Yeah. You want yeah. to make sure, uh, did I did I deploy a project? Is it being adopted? Are they, the features, the bells and whistles, which I've turned on um, as part of my project, are the users really using it? Do they really like what they are using? Right, right. right. And sometimes we make mistakes. We are human. Yeah. It is okay to acknowledge that we have made mistakes. Right? Okay. Okay. And I want to. I want to jump into the the AI section of our of our episode. Um, it feels yeah. like every every episode I do has a, a discussion of generative AI. Um, yeah. What did you guys discover from you know? I, I, obviously, you asked this question of of your respondents about how AI can help. Is it is it just about automating a lot of the software? That that companies already have at their companies, and just automating those tasks to get to improve efficiency. Because we've heard that, but could it also be used to start managing a lot of this this software sprawl? Like, what did you hear from from your survey respondents? Yeah, see, I think um, AI is not anything new, right? And if if you take uh, right. um, uh, uh, it's been there in the industry for 30, 40 years. In fact, during my programming uh, classes thirty five years ago, I've, I've programmed in Lisp, which is one of the AI languages, right? Um, so AI has been around for many, many years. Yeah, obviously we're talking about generative AI then. Yeah, the, the newer right, stuff. We're talking about, yeah. So uh, thanks to, to the announcement from Microsoft earlier this year, right? Generative AI is now on, 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 uh, on the top of everybody's mind. Yeah. So if, if you really look at where AI is applicable, right? Um, in, 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 if you, if you, uh, in many, many organizations, you, you will have people using, for example, a grammar checking application to check the grammar of 
uh, an email that they're sending out or, um, um, or, or a note that they're writing. If AI is embedded into that piece of software, this is one more thing where you do not have to buy that extra piece of software, right? So part of your question was, can we use AI and the generative AI features to make sure that you're not, uh, that, that you're reducing your software sprawl? Mm -hmm. The answer is yes, right? Instead of getting a separate application to summarize the interactions that you uh, that you've had with your customer, right? Um, you could actually have from a from a from a from I'm I'm taking a customer support example here, where you're an agent is talking to a, a, a customer and the agent needs to hand off the ticket to somebody else downstream for a level two or a level three escalation. Now, what do they do? They would take the ticket and then write a summary to send it um, uh, send it up the chain here, right? Instead of doing that, if AI can be used to summarize the complete chatter that uh, uh, that has happened between the customer and the agent and then summarizes for the for the for the next person right um another area is ai can 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 enable you to not have a separate analytics tool to uh, uh, to, to know what's going on you could get ai built into your um, built into the tool to um, to enable you to see what the insights are how many tickets am i receiving am i receiving too many tickets in this particular space Am I seeing a sudden spike in a uh, in, in in a particular ticket category? Right, especially for retail for retail customers around quarter end. If they see a sudden spike in uh, website failures, maybe their uh, e-commerce engine is not not able to handle that. Right, right. right so right. you can actually use AI to reduce software sprawl, provided it is built into your business process. Okay, don't look at it as a magical solution and then. Uh, look for the problem. All right. I, I, so while while I've got you here on the on the show, I want to ask a, a question. As, as since you're a CIO, um, do you get a lot of business unit leaders uh, assuming that generative AI is just kind of like a bag of magic beans, and that this is this is a you know just wave a magic wand and all of our problems will be solved, or do you get a sense that they understand what it can and cannot do? Like uh, like maybe initially, did they all think it was magic? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So the as with any hype uh, cycle that comes out, right? As with any hyped technology that uh, that people hear about, uh, we saw the same thing with big data. Everybody started talking big data, big data for everything. Sure. And they were dealing with all data, right? We saw that with with mobile, where uh, everybody's oh yeah, I need to have a mobile, I need to have a mobile for this and so on, right? Same same thing is happening uh, with with generative AI, where you do have a pocket of people thinking that it is the magical solution to all your problems. Right, um, and and th th there is also the other the, the other side of the coin, Keith, where you uh, people are like, "Hey, is AI going to take away my jobs?" When I when I'm speaking in many many in, uh, in, in many, uh, uh, kind of events like this, right? Yeah. One of the questions that are asked is, "Is AI going to remove uh, replace my job?" Right. So there is also that fear, and on, on the part of the business saying, "If I now have an AI engine doing what I used to do, um, I'm, is is my job at risk?" Right. So uh, you you do have both of those symptoms. Yeah, you never um, you never saw anybody going. I, is big data going to take my job? Because <laughs> so it does feel like AI is a little bit different there because you never had any of that fear for you know big data or uh, crypto coins or some of these other big hype technologies. Uh, it does feel different. Um, but do, you know, do you have to level their expectations on on people that assume that AI will solve everything? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think this is where it comes back to having a fact-based conversation, right? AI is a means to an end, right. right? Within IT, we have a whole bunch of tools within our within our um, armor to to now deploy 
based on what the business need is, right? So, and AI is yet another tool, right? So, the, the meaningful deployment of AI yep. to solve business problems, I think, is the magical is is the magical happy medium here. All right. Uh, was there any parts of the survey that that surprised you? That or were the answers expected kind of falling in line with what you thought they were going to say? Was there anything that jumped out at you as going, "Wow, that's great"? Yeah. So, I think. Um, uh, there was one statistic about the about youth embracing AI, okay. and that kind of gives me a lot of lot of confidence that the future of AI is really bright. Okay, I think about it. It's the next generation that has to now look for how do I take a piece of technology? How how do I take a piece of how do I take a tool or a, a means to an end? Yeah, and then now make make life better, right? Um, and that was that was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, and good. Happy. Yeah, uh, there's. That is that is that always good um, to end on a, yeah, on an optimistic note there with with uh, surveys like that. So um, yeah, that's all. The, uh, again, thank you for joining us on the show today, uh, Prasad. I think uh, this was some really cool stuff and great advice there for business leaders. All right, thank you so much, Keith. Wonderful right. talking to you. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and add any comments that you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.